In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today we salute the communion of saints, that great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A great multitude whom no one could number. Where have we heard that before? In the beginning, Genesis chapter 17. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. The extent of this great multitude has already been set forth two chapters earlier. Genesis 15. Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Numberless, a multitude so great that it cannot be numbered. The saints are in heaven. They are at least before the throne on which sits the Lamb, Jesus the Lord. And what has got them there? Their faith. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. God credited Abraham as if he had not just faith, but righteousness, holiness, that permits right standing, right relation, that permits one even into the presence of a holy God. Such holiness, alas, we have not quite been given. Neither was Abraham, if it's any consolation. But faith has been given, and that faith cannot be taken away. It can be tested, it can become unglued, disheveled, and distressed, and it can be rendered as good as useless, even by life's most trivial trials. Yet God treats us as if we had not just faith, the faith, ours to use or not, but that which faith grants, the perfection, the completeness, the having reached our goal, which renders faith itself useless, useless because it is no longer necessary. Because we have arrived, and having arrived, we now have all that we ever needed, peace, perfection, completeness, and the presence, the living presence of the living God, Christ on his throne, not to be taken away, never again to be taken from us in glory. Against the grandeur, the boldness of God's brushwork, the intensity of this little passage from John, so plain and clear, so logical, so cool, so homely and yet so alive, springs forth with special intensity. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, 
We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What childlike language, so simple, the purest gift of all. We should be called children of God, and so we are. Yes, quite so, we, the hidden multitude of those gathered one by one, like grains of sand washed back and forth by the waves until we finally will be deposited. Children of God, and so we are, but the world does not know us. Why? Because it did not know him. He came to his own, and his own would not receive him. But a reiteration, beloved, we are God's children now. Not just we are called God's children, we are God's children now, right now, yet. We go right away into the not yet, and what we shall be has not yet appeared. But... We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. What he is now is what we shall be. Good news. What we shall be has not yet appeared for the world to see, not yet been made manifest. It is he as he is. And recognizing this to be the case, Seeing him and knowing that we know him, recognizing him, we shall be like him and know that we are like him. It is not a matter of discovery, although it is an aha moment. It is a matter of recognition, recognition. Seeing him for whom he really is and seeing ourselves for whom we really are. And I'm inclined to say for the first time, but that would be wrong, dead wrong. It is a matter of recognition to which we look forward, not cognition. Why? Faith has wrought in us already a cognition of that which we will someday, not yet come, recognize. I labor this because it is so simple and so elusive, so easily forgotten, misplaced, mislaid, put away out of sight, and, more importantly, out of the reach of faith. And if there is one thing we are about, it is putting things back within the reach of not sight, not sight, but faith. Indeed, all that we do is to argue to faith, even though most of the time, We could care less about faith. We would rather care less about faith. We don't want to be bothered by faith's incessant demands. We want it all out there in front of us, revealed. How callously we toss around that word, revealed. Revealed to our sight? What on earth does that mean? Set before the judgment seat of our intelligence? That's revelation. Of our reason? so that the verdict of our will and our wits will affirm God's truth, God help us. And we must turn that upside down. And faith, faith has a way of doing that. 
the faith that grants us our white robes washed like the priestly garments of Leviticus 8 in blood to purify them. John concludes, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And where is this work of purification going on? Is it just washing the white robes with which we have been draped? No, it's going on within us. Christ's blood, the robe of his righteousness, drops around our shoulders. But it does not end there. It only begins there. We are not now possessed of some fireproof garments destined to get us through the Father's rage and into eternal bliss. No, we are now, even now, beginning to be transformed, to be made like him within. It is our souls that are washed with his most precious blood, not just our sinful bodies. And the hope, which is the other foot of the tripod, faith, hope, love, the hope we have placed in him, the trust, call that faith, now works its work of divinization, of theosis, of making us like him. Faith works its work of making us like Jesus, even now, even at the moment of baptism, even what the moment when he puts his hand within our souls to bring us to life. Even as we now undergo tribulations, trials of every kind, even now that work of faith is pursuing its task relentlessly. Nothing can stop it. It may be stayed for a while, but no glacial chill is now possible that will stop its movement and its life entirely, that will halt it in its tracks, that will kill it. Luther writes in one of his Christmas sermons, and I quote, Just as the word of God became flesh, so it is certainly also necessary that the flesh may become word. In other words, God becomes man so that man may become God. This is Luther. Let me say it again. God becomes man so that man may become God. Thus, power becomes powerless so that weakness may become powerful. The Logos puts on our form and pattern, our image and likeness, so that it may clothe us with its image, its pattern, its likeness. Thus, wisdom becomes foolish so that foolishness may become wisdom. And so it is in all other things that are in God and in us, to the extent that in all these things he takes what is ours to himself in order to impart what is his to Jesus, yes, but no, to us. Impart, not impute. Theologians, please note. This is Luther's childlike trust that so endears and entrusts him to us. And so, today, Emma Ann Walker steps forward in faith to join the communion of saints, to see her name inscribed in the book of life. She asks not to see every step of the way her pilgrimage may take her 
on her way to that destination at which we will all meet together. She asks only in faith that even now the purifying work is going on, that work of hope, that work of divinization, that work of theosis, that swathed in Christ's winding sheet, crailed in his swaddling bands, she is also inwardly being made like him so that when Christ appears, she shall be like him because she shall see him as he is.